this morning about finishing the race. Because it's an important thing. I'll just get started with the text. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. I'm going to read all the way through chapter 10 in verse 12. It's a constant thought from the Apostle Paul. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, would you please stand this morning in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Do you not know that all those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Not everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What a terrifying thought. To become disqualified. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All ate and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. In other words, they never did reach the promised land. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. That means they died. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Let us pray. Lord, this morning I confess that I need You, Lord, to come upon me. Help me to preach with courage and boldness. God, I pray this morning You'd help me not to fear the faces of men. God, that Your Word would go forth. God, that I would rebuke. God, that I would encourage and exhort. God, with all diligence this morning. Lord, we pray that Your Word would penetrate our hearts. Lord, I pray that this morning You would drive out that quitting spirit that so tries to creep into the hearts of men and women. Lord, we pray for the church this morning. We pray, God, for this nation. God, we pray for a revival in Your people. We pray for our lost friends and family. God, we pray that we would be, get an awakening, God, and, and, and an urgency, Lord, and a reality that hell is a real place. And most of our family members are going there. The world around us is going there. And God, it's not just to come and be entertained and leave feeling good about ourselves. Lord, we need it sometimes to be encouraged. We need to be equipped. We need to be shaken. And Lord, this morning, we just pray that You would have Your way with us. I pray if there be any that are lost, that today they'd be saved. God, I just ask for the unction of heaven. Help me to say nothing that You would not have me to say. Help me to preach what You'd have me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Do you not know that all those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Paul spoke of becoming disqualified. It is an uneasy topic for the average Christian to handle, but the reality is this. The Bible does talk multitudes of times. Paul talks multitudes of times about not finishing the race. 
about those who their faith has been shipwrecked. About those who started but didn't finish. About those who quit. About those who were of us, John wrote, that were of us, but they went out from us. And therefore, they were not all of us. There is a call in the Word of God to endure. The command to endure is a command that can be found in lots of places. And the point this morning is this. Christianity is more than lip service. I have found, and I'm just going to let it out this morning, unrestrained whether you like it or not. I have found that most people kind of like it when I mention these things, as long as it's not applied to their family. Most people like church discipline. Most people like, uh, you know, holding people accountable. Most people like, you know, preaching it straight until you really start to hit their family. Until you really start to hit their living. And then it's like, no, we get a free pass. Just give us grace. Just give us mercy. Just give, don't, don't judge us. Can I tell you something? The Bible does not tell us not to judge at all. Matter of fact, multitudes of times we see, for example, the Apostle Paul saying about the immoral man to put him outside of the church. How can you do that without judging that he's immoral? How is that even possible? How can you... It, it tells the, the, uh, to test those that, um, that, that, that the prophets are tested by the spirits of the, the other prophets. How can you examine whether or not someone preaching is really, truly called of God and what they're doing is right without making a judgment. We need to understand there is a level of accountability that we should hold each other to. There is something that is to be expected from the church. And Paul often in his writings, he used analogies that we could kind of relate to. Running a race, fighting a fight. And, and and he used those analogies in not only finishing, but in the process of what that looks like and, and how you've got to train hard, you've got to train diligently. And this morning, I can I just say, my heart breaks when I see how many people quit. My heart breaks when I see how many people stop short of the price. My heart breaks when I see how many people profess that they're going to love God forever and they're serious about serving God, but then trials and tribulations of this world come. Things happen that were unexpected. They become angry at some brother in the church because he didn't look at them or shake their hand or sister so-and-so didn't, uh, you know, didn't invite them over to her baking party or whatever the situation might be. And now they get sideways with people in the church and they're ready to quit. They're ready to give up. They, they, and the number of people that are leaving and quitting is astronomical. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. It's heartbreaking. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend it's not happening. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that we, there's nothing to be concerned about. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like it's all okay and we're all just going to make it to heaven somehow. Brothers and sisters, that's not the case. We're not all just going to make it to heaven. Most of this world's not. I would venture to say every single person in here under the sound of my voice has family, blood kin, that's not going to make it. And see, we kind of live in this day and time where it's like, well, preacher, don't preach about that. People don't want to hear that. Don't preach about the blood. Don't preach about hell. Just entertain us. Just make us feel good. We just want to leave pumped up and excited about all how good things are. I'm concerned about those who are quitting. I'm concerned about those who are giving up. I'm concerned about it. There is a race to be run. And I want you to understand this morning, the race sometimes is difficult. It's not always easy. Christianity is not always easy. It's just not. Folks, we've been called into war. When God saved you as His child, and thank God to be a child of the King, there's no greater blessed privilege. But understand something, He did not just save us so He could pamper us like toddlers all of our lives, give us food to eat, toys to play with, a, a roof to live under. He has a war that He has enlisted each of us into. And the war, it, sometimes it is hard. 
Sometimes it is difficult and it requires a willingness to endure. And if you're going to make it out on the end, if you're going to come out strong when it's all said and done, if the Word of God is going to profit you, you're going to have to learn how to finish strong. The first thing that I want to say about this race this morning is you must have a willingness to enter. You really have to enter. Most folks never actually start. It looks like they do, but they really never enter. They never really surrendered to God. They had no intentions of repenting of their sin. They thought, they were told, you know, that God is going to be even better than everything you have in life. He'll fix all of your problems. He's able to do anything that you wish. And the Bible says He'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, who doesn't want that? Here's the problem with that line of theology. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. So until you're truly delighting, that means finding my fulfillment, all that I want in Him, then He's not going to give me the desires of my heart because the desires of my heart are selfish. But too often, the message of the church is to appeal to the fleshly, selfish side of people and tell them God can do even better at meeting your fleshly desires than anything in this world can. And so people run to God, supposedly, looking to pull the magic lever in the sky and hope that all sevens come across and God just showers blessings upon them forevermore. And then it doesn't happen. They say, well, forget this. Life goes on. They find out not everybody's going to be formed. They find out that people still get sick. Friends and family die. Sometimes they'll get a pink slip in the, at work and they find out life sometimes is still tough. And they're saying, well, I thought God. I thought God. And you'll find that truly many of them, they never actually started in the first place. It wasn't about a relationship with God. They weren't looking to repent of their evil, selfish ways and turn to Jesus. But you've got, that's where you have to start. You've got to be willing to enter the race. You've got to be willing to come to the place that says, it does not matter where this race leads. It does not matter what I have to leave behind. It does not matter. What God tells me I have to stop, I must stop. What God says I must do, I must do. I, I surrender my life to You and I will follow You in this race. I will follow You into battle. And until a person is truly willing to enter in, you'll never ever get anywhere with God. But once you enter in, there has to be a willingness to be prepared. There has to be a willingness to be trained. And you need to understand, as I've said a handful of times already, it's not easy. It's not. People who desire to be people of influence in the church, they don't know what they really desire. Do you realize to lead somebody through something, you've had to have first gone there yourself? So how are you going to lead somebody through suffering and pain and loneliness if you've never been there yourself? How are you going to lead somebody through difficult stages in their life if you've never gone through difficult stages in your life? How are you going to tell somebody how, how, how they're going to, 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 to make it through the darkest hour when it seems like there is no hope and it seems like nobody cares and it seems like you've prayed and you can't reach God and you begin to wonder, God, can you even hear me at all? How are you going to lead somebody out of that, my friend, if you've never been there yourself? You see, the call into the ministry, the call into, into war, the call into the life that God has for all of us, there's a time of training, there's a time of testing. And you've got to be willing to go through it. You've got to be willing to trust God. This morning I want to share a story with you about... Uh, it comes from a, a book that is called Lone Survivor. It was written by Marcus uh, Lentrell. And if you know about Marcus, Marcus was the lone survivor of the deadliest attack of a group of Navy SEALs in the history of America. He was in Afghanistan when they were attacked. He was the only one that lived. 
And for miles, he had to run like a hunted animal as the Taliban chased him down. He was eventually shot in the leg, spun around and and, and went down the side of a mountain, crashing into rocks, crashing into trees. He had a broken leg, a shot through his his uh, his uh, one of his upper muscles in the back of his leg, and ran for his life and ended up surviving. And in his book, he talks about the training that our Navy SEALs have to go through to become a Navy SEAL. And as I was reading some of the books, some of the the, the, the things that they have to go through, some of the difficulty of training so that they are prepared for the real fight is what most of us are unwilling to go through. And I saw an amazing spiritual um, application. He talked about the, the, the first phase of training that they went through was a month long and there was about 250 men. And at the end of the month, The instructors had to choose those who would go on. And out of those who would go on, the instructors chose 52 men out of his 250-man group. He talked about the, the mental anguish that they went through. He talked about the sleep deprivation that he went, that they went through. He talked about the, the physical torment that they went through. And then after a month of intense training, and after the, the sergeants and everybody in charge had it cast their votes and had come to the conclusions of who would pass, there was 52 of them left. And what would happen next is what is called Hell Week. It is supposed to be the most fierce week that any human beings go through. They say there's only one other organization in the entire world that has anything that even compares to what the Navy SEALs go through during Hell Week. And the thing about Hell Week is this. It's worse than how it sounds. There's a reason it's called that. But during Hell Week, the instructors cannot make anybody leave. If you make it that far, you were chosen to stay. And during Hell Week... They tell them at the beginning of the week to get a pair of clothes of your choice, get your pillow, and there's a lodge on site that they bring all of their clothing to. And they know that at any time during that week, if they cannot go on... Now remember, these are the the, the, the strongest and the fiercest of our soldiers. These are the ones who were chosen by the instructors to go on. But if any time during that week they can't go on, on the side of the building, in the entrance to the door, there is a bell. And at any time, they can walk over to that bell and ring it. And when they ring the bell, they are given a hot shower. They are given a full course meal. They are allowed to lay down and sleep. They are treated with respect. There is not a single negative thing that is said. There is no teasing allowed. There is nothing whatsoever negative. They are treated as they should be, as still yet the greatest and fiercest warriors on earth. But they are out of the special SEAL forces team. And during that week, at any time, they can choose to quit. What they're doing is training to save our lives, by the way. We should be incredibly grateful for the men and women that serve this great country and protect the freedoms that we have here in America. We should pray for them. We should pray for our military. We should pray for those that are fighting bravely to serve our country. But you see, there's training they have to go to in order to do the things they do. And it's some of the most fierce training that's imaginable. During a course of five days, they get an average of about four hours of sleep. And the whole time, they're doing stuff physically. It pushes them to hallucinations. They tread water in freezing water less than 60 degrees for 15 minutes at a time, almost reaching the brink of hypothermia. 
and then they'll bring them back out on the sand and just have them run in place to get their temperature back up and then back into the water to tread again. And they're constantly doing physical activities. And about every couple of hours, one walks up and rings a bell. Everybody on site can hear the bell ring. A lot of times during night, they have no idea who it is. They just know they've lost one. And as that bell rings, those men are reminded they've got a warm pair of clothes. They've got a hot meal waiting them. They've got a bed in there. They can get out of this mess. He, told, he, he talked about during that week how there were friends that you just can't do it by yourself. It is so intense that you have to have somebody telling you to keep going on and, and, and you build camaraderie. And I thought, how true is that in Christianity? We cannot do this all by ourselves. But then he said, the negative side of that though is that when somebody's friend would leave, the other person would go too. And I thought, how true is that? I thought, God, I know sometimes it gets hard. And God, sometimes I know this thing's difficult, but help me not be a quitter. Help me not be the person that walks out and brings people with me because I laid down on the job. At the end of the week, there were 26 who made it. Exactly half. 26 of those men went on to be special ops Navy SEALs. If we're going to finish the race, we have to be willing to be prepared. We have to be willing to be trained. And to be trained means you've got to be willing to be led by those who have gone on before you. You know our problem? We're just too stinking prideful so often. We don't want to be led by anybody. We don't want to be told to buck up. We don't want to be told to, to, to get some backbone about you. We don't want to be told to, to keep pushing on when we just want to quit. I'll tell you something about Christianity. It's true about Christianity. It's true honestly about any group. It's true about any type of community. If you are not willing to come underneath of the authority that God has placed you in and be led by somebody, you'll never make it very far. Honestly, in some degree, we're all like children who need parents. Could you imagine? And quite frankly, it's a terrifying thing. If we look in our culture, we have too many children being raised without parents. Could you imagine no instruction, no direction? You know what it's like to be a teenager. And if you're a parent of a teen, you know good and well. Teens don't think they, they think they know everything. You know that you don't got nothing to teach them. You're just old school. You're just old time. You're just the cell phone. President Obama's calling. Where was I? Teenagers, thank you. Teenagers don't want to be led by anybody. They think they know everything. They think they've got it all figured out. And the truth is, many of us are, are Christians like that. We think that we've got it all figured out. When our world's crashing down and we really need direction, and, and, and we're not willing to be led. And listen, if you're going to make it, if you're going to come out faithful, I'm talking about finishing this morning. I'm talking about fighting the good fight of faith and being able to finish like Paul and say, I have finished it. I've done it. Listen, you're going to have to be willing to be led sometimes. You're going to have to be willing to, to, to let those who have gone on before you, who have been there and done that, tell you how to make it out. One of the most fascinating... I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of spiritual applications in this, this man's book. He talked about when he would hear this. He said he sensed the biggest sense of betrayal. But it wasn't betrayal against him. It was betrayal against the one who had trained them before Hell Week ever began. It was their sergeant in whom they had deep trust and respect. He was a proved and true hero of war. He had been there and done that. 
and, and Marcus said this. He said, what bothered me was that they did not listen to the sergeant. He warned us this would happen. And he told us not to think about the future, but to live in the moment. He said those men refused to listen and obey the advice of our former sergeant. And they were terrified about the thought of this going on for another two or three days. They thought about the torture that was to come if it didn't end. And they refused to stay focused on the day and to live one day at a time. And they were so upset about what was to come before it ever got there that they quit in advance. And I thought, man, how true is that? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, today got enough worry for it in itself. And I'm telling you, I've seen one of the things that causes people to quit, causes people to give up the thought of what's going to happen. The thought of if things don't change. And instead of learning to live each day and to look to God for strength each day and to say, God, I don't know about tomorrow and I can't change the past, but I know that You're the God of supernatural strength. And right now, in this moment, in this day, in this situation, in this circumstance, Lord, give me strength. God, help me not to give up. Lord, help me to not lay down on the job. Help me to be a loving husband. Help me to be a loving wife. Help me to be a good father. Help me to be a good mother. Help me to stay faithful to You no matter what I'm going through. I know it's weak right now. I know I'm weary. I feel sleep deprived. I feel like I can't go on. But God will deal with tomorrow when tomorrow gets here. I'm going to stand on the rock today and I'm going to stay faithful to You today and I'm going to focus on You today. And I'm telling you, when we get our eyes off of Him and we start looking at everything else around us, it's when we begin to feel like I just can't go on. Christianity is about sacrifice. You need, you need to know that. It's about sacrifice and service. There are two sides to the thing. It's wonderful to live in the blessings of God. It's wonderful to live in the comfort of God. It's wonderful to live. No, I'm in the safe in the Master's arms. But God has called us to sacrifice. And God has called us to service. And your Christianity is about a whole lot more than just you. God has ordained good works for each and every one of us from before the foundation of the world. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, sometimes the good works, they require sacrifice. They require selflessness. They require a willingness to say, I lay down me. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Paul said, remember church, the One who died for us, our wonderful, lovely Savior, the One who has redeemed us and the One who has released us and set us free. He had to endure the cross. It wasn't easy what He went through. It wasn't joyful what He went through. But He had a focus on the reality that one day there would be a great prize. That one day the the war would be over. That one day the struggle would end. But for now, for this day, for this hour, I've got to press on. And I've got to endure hardship. And I've got to keep my eyes set on the joy that is well before me, that is certainly coming. The heaven that God has promised where there will be no suffering, there will be no pain, there will be no tears. It is there that I've got to keep my eyes on. 
Jesus is our example. And I'm telling you, He had to endure. Don't you wish... Can we just be honest? Don't you wish we didn't have to endure? Don't you wish it was always just easy and just everything was just like butter, just came. Smooth, wonderful, delicious, no pain, no suffering. Never had to face a battle. Never had to overcome anything. Never had to stare our fears down in the eyes. Never had to try to really grapple with the flesh and the spirit. Wouldn't it be awesome if there wasn't a struggle? It'd be easy. Good news is we'd never fail. But here's the thing. It's actually those victories that brings God such great honor and glory. It is learning to walk in the power of Christ in me and saying, devil, you are defeated. There is a living God who has power over all that is in this world. He is greater. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. There's something wonderful about living a life of victory. But listen, brothers and sisters, for there to be victory, there's got to be a battle. For there to be a crown, there's got to be a cross. And we must be willing to endure. We live in a day of quitters. And I'm not trying to be mean. I know sometimes I come across that way and it's just how I am. I don't apologize for it. Sometimes you just got to say how it is. We live in a day of quitters, folks. This three-time divorced generation doesn't want to hear it. We don't want to look inward and deal with the reality that, you know what, too often we are quitters. People in my family, they're quitters. We want to excuse their quitting. We want to explain why it's justifiable. Hey, if there's anybody that ever had a justifiable reason, it was Jesus, folks. You and I were enemies. We were scum. We were the seed of Adam. We were nothing. We did not deserve to be loved. We were enemies of God. We were God-haters. We were sinners. And yet He loved us and endured the cross because He knew that if He would endure the cross, that somehow, way, when it was all said and done, He would have a glorious church, that there would be people who would find salvation. And He pushed through the hard stuff because He knew it would be worth it in the end. And we live in a generation, it's just all about me and now, my comfort at this moment. If you make me mad, goodbye. If, if, if it's not as fun as it was when we first got married, let's just call it quits and go try to find somebody else we can have fun with. We live in a nation and in a day and a time where people are not committed to hardly anything. We're a nation of lusters. And not lovers. You see, love will see you all the way through. Lust is all about me. That's what lust is about. Lust is about fulfilling my need. And what happens is when my need's not fulfilled anymore, you're of no more use to me. So I'll go find someone else who can fulfill that need. We live in a nation of quitters. I see it in the church. And it breaks my heart. The lame things people quit for. Sometimes I ask myself, were you ever there to worship God in the first place? Did you forget that's why we're here? Have you lost sight of the fact that when you were unlovely, He loved you? That when you were unreachable, He reached you? That when you were unsavable, He saved you? I don't know about you guys. I love showing up and worshiping with you. I love showing up and worshiping God, but understand something. Primarily, that's not why I show up. I show up because He's God. And if all of you refuse to come, He still deserves to be worshipped. And I show up to worship God and to put my thoughts on Him and to hear His Word and to hear His name praised. It's about Him. It's about endurance. Hebrews 4. We're already in Hebrews. Look at verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear, 
lest any of you seem to have come short of it. I'll read verse 2 in a moment. Let us fear. Now this is the uh, Word of God which so often says, fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And what are we to fear not? We're to fear not evil. We're to fear not the devil. We're to fear not that God is not in control or that God is unable. We are to fear not in that area of our lives. But here is where somewhere we're actually told to fear. Let us fear is what the Bible says. And what are we fearing? Not entering into the rest, having come short of it. What a terrible thought. It's a real one that we need to grapple with and stare down in the eyes and not brush it off and not somehow not deal with it. I don't want to quit too early. I don't want to give up. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to ever see me do that in my life. Look what verse 2 says. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The word which they heard did not profit them. You know what profit is? This passage means probably a little bit more to me as someone who has been a business owner in the past. Profit's really the only thing that matters in the end. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you're going guns ho and then all of a sudden it crashes and you end up negative. I mean, profit is what remains at the end. It's what's left. And to think of how many. All the word they've heard. All the times they've sat in church. All the sermons they've heard. All the things they've done. All the times they've given. Profit nothing. Isn't that a terrifying thought? I I don't know about you, but that bothers me. I don't like it. I don't. I'd like to think we all profit in the end, but we don't. You've got to endure. You've got to be willing to press on and stay faithful to God because He is God, because He is able, because He is worthy. Paul, when he was speaking to Timothy in both 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he gave Timothy, this young preacher, the admonition to listen, don't give up, keep fighting, be disciplined, Fight the good fight of faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. In 2 Timothy, the last letter that Paul was writing to Timothy, Paul told Timothy in reference to his first letter, he said, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. And he made this statement, I have finished. Paul knew that his life on earth was about over. Paul knew that he was just about done with what God had called him to do. And I want to look at that passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, where Paul says he is finished. I'll go ahead and begin in verse 6. Because when he says, I am being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand, he's talking about his death. He's talking about his life here is just about over. And then he says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I kept the faith. I pray that each and every one of us can say that when we come to our end. This morning, I pray that if there is anybody that comes to mind that hasn't finished, that has quit, that has got out of the race, I pray that God would stir it within us to get a hold of that person, to go to that person, to plead with them. Don't stop. 
get back up and get back in the race. This morning, maybe that's you. You've given up. You've given up on your marriage. You've given up on it ever looking like God wants to look. You've given up on a ministry. You feel like you failed too many times. You've given up on just really being truly sold out to God. God, You have my life, everything that I am. I'm going to serve You. I'm going to obey You in all things. You've just given up and said that's not possible. Don't give up this morning. Don't ring the bell this morning. After writing his book, Marcus was interviewed. And in the book, we learn that that um, when they were originally attacked, everybody was dead but Marcus. And in the event, he fell off of a mountain down quite some distance and broke his leg. There were Taliban that were chasing him. One was just chasing and he was just a spotter, just trying to watch where he was. That was his whole mission. And then there was another that was coming behind him, setting up with a gun and shooting. And he was running for his life like a wild animal. And there was a certain space where he ran for a couple of miles on a broken leg. And they asked him the question, how did you run on that broken leg. And he said two things. The first one was, he said, I just kept telling my body to shut up. The second thing was this. He said he remembered back to Hell Week. And during Hell Week, one of the people that he was close to, that he was partners with, one of the largest guys that everybody was convinced this guy's going to make it. He's the tough guy. He is the epitome of the American macho man. With about a day and a half left, he turned to go to the bell. And Marcus went to him and tried to talk sense into him, tried to say, you have made it this far. You have, it can't be any worse. We have been pushed to the brink of death, and here we are. Just keep going. And the instructor told Marcus to let him go. And Marcus let this friend of his go. Shortly after, he heard that. He had a conversation with his instructor about why did you tell me not to talk him into staying? We were so close. And here's what the instructor said to him. He said, through years of testing, we have learned that whether a man makes it to the bell or not, the moment he turns to go towards the bell, there will always be a moment in his life when he will consider quitting. And so that's why we just let him go. And Marcus said this. He said it was at that moment that I determined... I would die in training on the sands of this beach before I would ever ring that bell. And until you're willing to get rid of the quit option in your life, you're always going to turn to it. Until you get to the place where you can say, there is no plan B. I'm, this, I'm serving God till death. There is no plan B. There is nowhere else to turn. There is no other option. This morning, some of you need to get it set in your head. I will not turn to the bell. It is not an option for me. I will die fighting for my family. I will die fighting for what is right. I will die standing in my integrity. But there is no option for me to turn and give up. There is no option for me to give up on this marriage. There is no option for me to give up on God's will for my life. There is no option for me to give up on being a man or woman of integrity. I will stand if all the rest of the world leaves. If all the rest of the world goes to the bell, I will stand firm and I will die on the sands of that beach before I will turn and give up. 
That's the type of mentality we have got to have in the Christian faith, brothers and sisters. It's the type of mentality we've got to have in our marriages. It's the type of mentality we've got to have concerning all that God has called us to do in this world. I ask you this morning, have you truly, honestly put the bell out? Or is it an option for you? Is it still an option for you to go ring that thing and say, I'm done, I'm out of here. This is too hard. If it is, I pray this morning God would stir up your heart. That He would remind you He is able to do above and abundantly beyond all you could ever ask or imagine. That He would remind you that He who has called you will certainly equip you. That in your time of need, He will provide the strength. That He will be with us now. He will be with us tomorrow. That there's just a little more time that we must endure hardship, but keep pressing on. I'm not going to give up. Not giving up on my marriage. Not giving up on my children. Not giving up on my family. Not giving up on my God. Not giving up on my commitment to the Lord and to the church and to His people. I'm not giving up. It's not an option for me. I will die before I give up. This morning is at your heart as our worship team comes. This morning, is this still an option for you? Are you still considering going to the bell if it gets too hard? Are you still considering giving up on your marriage if it doesn't go like you want it to? Are you still considering quitting? Are you still considering... Maybe this Christianity thing isn't all it's cut out to be. I pray this morning God would stir your heart to say, I'd rather die than ring that bell. Father, move all across this room in Jesus' name. God, we need a generation of people that are willing to be committed to what You've called us to be committed to. Husbands committed to their family. Wives committed to the family. Parents committed to their children. Christians committed to you. Men and women of God committed to the church and to the ministry of the church. God, I pray this morning, I I have to believe, I sense it deep in my spirit, there's several here that in some area of their life they just feel like quitting. God, this morning, may we put the quit option out the door. It's not an option. May a spirit of courage rise up in us. And and may we be reminded there are others who have gone on before us. We are not the only people who have ever been through this. There are people who have been through this and come out alive on the other side. And if they could do it through the power of God, I can do it. This morning, let faith arise. In Jesus' name. This morning, if you need to be saved, preacher, I haven't ever even entered the race. Preacher, I've never even repented of my sins and I need to be saved. If that's you, I want you to get up out of your seat right now and just look at me in the eyes. It takes courage to be a man or woman of God. It takes courage to admit I'm lost and I need to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. Forget about what everyone else thinks. Forget about the people around you. Let your pride die, sir. Let your pride die, man. If you need to be saved, there's nothing more important than the destination of your soul for all eternity. If you need to be saved, would you stand up and look me in the eyes? Is there anybody here this morning? Preacher, I want to be right with God. All right, church, look up at me. There's no time for quitting. No time for quitting. We live in a world that's full of chaos and pain. People don't know who they can trust. People have been hurt. Let us be a church that says, you know what? That's not going to be us. We, if if anybody in this world, anybody in our world needs to be able to look at somebody who is just sold out to God till the end, it can be us. If there's anything in your life you've been thinking about giving up on, and you know God don't want you to give up on it. This morning, come to God and say, God, give me the strength to get this bell out of my life.
to get this bell off of the table. It is not an option. There is no time for retreat. There is no time for giving up. There is a lost and dying world. There are people in my life. There is family in my life. There are people in my world who need me to refuse to go to that bell. This morning, if there's a need in your life, I encourage you to come as they sing a song of invitation. These altars are open. Won't you come? Thank you.